Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tito. Did you guys miss Tito? Yes, I did too, man. It's great to have him back. I know he is, he's been charged up, ready to go. So we just thank God for, um, for having him back. Thank you, my friend. Hey, uh, as a reminder, if you are new here uh, this morning and you have kids, uh, we do have a, a, an amazing dynamic kids program. So if you just want to follow Miss Anna, Anna, raise your hand. Anna is our kids director. She's been our kids director since day one. But a lot of people come. They may, maybe you got here a little late and you have kids. You didn't know we have a, a kids program. We have an amazing dynamic kids program. They are learning about Jesus on their level. So I just want to encourage you, if you have any kiddos, you want to check them in, feel free at any time during the message to get up and to go over to our multi-purpose room where our kids ministry is and you can do that there okay uh, so glad to see you this morning thank you for being here thank you for choosing new life uh, those of you that are new when you came in like pastor tito said you received a program uh, on the back of that program you'll see some fill in the blanks those are fill-ins that we're going to give you that apply to the message that's how we keep up with the messages here at new life Patterson. So we're going to give you those fill-ins during the message as we progress, and you can just take notes there. Um, and also, we have a gift for you. If this is your first time here, please don't leave without stopping by our Welcome Center and receiving one of these mugs. Uh, this is uh, the, the mug that we give out to all of our first-timers. It's got our logo on it. And so all you have to do is when you leave, walk out those doors and turn to your left. You'll see the Welcome Center. You'll see one of our staff there and just say, hey, it's my first time here. And we'll put this in your hand to say thank you for visiting us. And also, if you are here for the very first time and you don't have a home church, then we want to say to you, welcome home. Amen. Uh, also, uh, just a couple of more things that I wanted to point out. Uh, the ladies Bible study begins this coming Tuesday. We have a Tuesday morning Bible study and a Tuesday evening Bible study. If you have any questions about that, you can go find Miss Lisa. She can give you more info on that. And also, if you uh, still want to go to the seminar that's happening next Friday at the Turlock campus, uh, you can still get tickets. And if you want to get those tickets online, you can. But if you want to save $5 uh, service fee, then go get them directly from Lisa. Uh, but the, uh, it's called Dare to Hope, and this is a ladies uh, seminar that's that we've been we've had on on the calendar for a long time now. And so I know that they're really excited about that. And also, if you did not get a spot for the retreat that's coming up, ladies, in October, they just opened up another cabin, so there's 16 more beds available. Okay, so if you did not, uh, because it was closed, because we ran out of beds, we ran out of spots. Uh, we now have more spots available. So immediately after service, go into the lobby and connect with Lisa and she can get you engaged with that. All right. Uh, this next one uh, I wanted to talk about personally. Tito said, hey, do you want me to talk about this? And I said, no, I can do this. But uh, everyone knows how, how uh, near and dear, if, if you've not been here for a while, I'm a huge dog lover. All right. We have dogs myself. Um, I have four kids. Three of them, I, uh, one of mine is leaving next week for school. And so I'll be three down, one to go. And I'm replacing them with dogs. Because dogs don't talk back. They only eat a couple of times a day. They don't raid my pantry. You know, they, they're, look, they, they're excited about me coming home every day. You know, so there's a big difference between dogs and kids. All right. So uh, anyway, uh, if you do not have a dog in your life, and we are having uh, the, there's a couple of shelters uh, here in town that Cindy Horton has been in, connect, in connection with for a long time, and they look for random uh, places around the community to have a, a kind of an adoption fair. And so this coming Saturday, they're going to be in our parking lot right back here uh, for, uh, and, and if you go on the website and look at some of these dogs, oh my God, Janet even told me, don't you dare come home. 
with one of these dogs, all right? And I said, look, no promises, all right? Uh, but some of them are so cute. Uh, I, back a couple of months ago, I think there was like 30 dogs that were just dumped in an orchard, literally at the same time. And so... Um, uh, these companies or these organizations scooped them up. They've been caring for them. They chipped them. They, uh, some, they've had all their shots and everything, and they're ready for adoption. Uh, but anyway, that's going to be here just in our parking lot. It's not going to be in the building, just here in the parking lot uh, from 10 to 1 uh, next, uh, this coming uh, Saturday. So I'll be here uh, and, and rescuing uh, 30-something dogs. Is that okay, babe? All right. Uh, yeah, so uh, thank you so much uh, for doing that. Also, if you came prepared to give, thank you so much for doing that. We have, uh, God has been doing amazing things in our giving here at this campus. Those of you ha- who have begun uh, uh, the, the, this, this uh, discipline of generosity and giving back to God through new life, we want to say thank you. We could not do it without you. Uh, we're, we're able to do more and more ministry because of your faithfulness and your generosity. So thank you so much. Uh, for doing that. Uh, there's four different ways you can give back to God through New Life. You can do it through our app. You can do it through the website. You can do it physically. We have a giving uh, table there. Uh, before you walk out, you can just drop your gift into that uh, into that box, or you can just mail it in. But however you decide to do that, we just want to say thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. And the third Sunday of every month, uh, we've dedicated as being Missions Sunday. So we always try to pick a mission uh, to uh, to honor, to pray for, to lift up. And so this month we've chosen the victims of the fire in Hawaii. And so if you want to give towards that, you we, we want to encourage you. We are partnering with Samaritan's Purse. Uh, Samaritan's Purse already has boots on the ground there in Hawaii, caring for and loving on the people of, uh, of Hawaii. And so if you want to give towards that, you can do that as well. That's going to go in separate. Uh, you'll see there's a little, little box on wheels there beside uh, the giving box. Just drop your your uh, your gift to Hawaii in that box. That way we can keep them separate from what comes into the church and what we're going to every bit, 100% of the proceeds are going straight to the victims of Hawaii and Samaritan's Purse. So we just wanted to bring that to your attention as well. Okay. All right. You guys ready to dig into the word? Today, we are wrapping up our series. We've been in this series all summer long called Wise Up. Uh, in the book of Proverbs. And like Pastor Tito said, the bat- baptism class is immediately following service. And then next Sunday is our baptisms. And then the Sunday after that, we're kicking off a brand new series called The Bible Doesn't Say That. And I love that because how many times are, how many of you are sick and tired of having conversations with people that, say, that quote from the Bible and it's not even in the Bible? But we think it is because it's a really famous phrase that we use in society. And then we think that we're going to put some weight and credibility behind it by saying, oh, it's in the Bible when it's not in the Bible. Okay. So we're going to go through and and analyze for about six or seven weeks uh, about what the Bible does and doesn't say. So I'm excited about that. But we're wrapping up our summer series called Wise Up. And like I said, all throughout the summer, we've been in the book of Proverbs and looking at God's wisdom for our everyday lives. God's wisdom regarding conflict, how we deal with the, uh, com- when we're in conflict with each other, um, our words, how we speak to one another, our humility, our trust, our parenting, um, our friendship, our contentment, and many, many other topics throughout the summer. So if you missed any of those, then you can go to our YouTube channel, New Life Christian Center uh, on YouTube, and you can catch up with, uh, with some of the weeks that maybe you missed. But we've been learning to understand God's desires for us. God's heart for us, God's instructions for us, and really applying those to our daily life. So today, we are going to wrap up this series by looking at something that makes all of us 
a little nervous, especially in church. We're going to look at what the Bible has to say about being wise about our finances. You think, oh, great. <laughs> Jeremy, I, have, I haven't been to church in years. Are you kidding me? Or I brought my friend with me. I brought my family with me. And we're talking about money. Can you just talk about something else, Jeremy, like hope or love or joy or sex? Oh, that got your attention, didn't it? Yeah. You think, oh, sex is in the Bible? Yeah, sex is in the Bible a lot. But please, hang tight, okay? Don't tune me out just yet, just because I said the word finances. Please hang in there with me, okay? Because my prayer is that by the end of this message, I believe that you'll have a better appreciation and a better understanding with how the Bible is instructing us to look at this topic of finances. Because let me ask you, did you know that of all the promises that you make on your wedding day, the phrase for richer or poorer is likely to cause the most problems? In fact, the Association of Bridal Consultants reports that 67%, nearly seven out of every 10 newlyweds, say the most serious conflict in their first year of marriage was over money. 50% of divorces in the United States are over money. So if we don't get a handle on this area and find God's wisdom in this, then we might have a hard time controlling the other areas of our life as well. In the book of Proverbs, we see over 80 verses specifically addressing wealth and finances. So that communicates to us that this is nothing new. This is an issue that's been happening for thousands of years because we can't escape the fact that money is a source of a lot of our stress in our lives. Can I get a witness? Yeah. <laughs> it's all a matter of perspective. Whether we have a little or whether we have a lot, if we don't manage our money, our money will manage us. Money can be a, a cause of pain. It can cause us anxiety and jealousy and regret and bitterness. Money has divided marriages. It's broken friendships. It's caused dissension in families. If you don't believe it, go to the reading of a will of a very, a very wealthy person and watch how the family fights over money. And though I can't tell you how to increase your income today, that's not my purpose. We can see what Proverbs has to say about how we should manage our money. The Bible often refers to this by calling us stewards of all that God has given us. Now, back when this was written, a steward was someone who oversaw or managed the wealth and resources on behalf of someone else. The reality is all we have belongs to God. He is Jehovah Jireh, our great provider, and he has given us the provisions that we have. None of us are owners as much as we want to be, but rather managers of all that God has given. So whether it's your house, whether it's your vehicles, your business, your career, the position at your job, your spouse, your kids, your friendships, those have all been given to us by God to manage, not to own. And so hopefully we can do that with some sort of integrity and honesty and wisdom because ultimately it all belongs to God because God is sovereign. God chooses to whom he gives what? And our job is to manage it and manage it well, especially knowing that it doesn't belong to us. We are to manage it to the best of our ability while we have it during this short time. 
I think back in 2011, Janet and I took a bunch of uh, teenagers from our church uh, from Wisconsin down to Phoenix, and we rented this Airbnb. And so on, on the pictures uh, on, online was just like, it was just gorgeous, like Italian villa, huge, like 4,000 square foot home. I was like, there's no way that this is the home in this picture for like 1,500 bucks for the whole week. We were down there for a national talent competition. And so when we got down there, sure enough, it exceeded our expectations. This place was immaculate. It was gorgeous. Rooms were huge. I mean, you felt like you were in a museum. It was just so beautiful, the pool and everything. And I remember looking at these students and saying, if you touch anything, I will bury you in this desert. You will not make it home. But here's the deal. It wasn't our house. But we were stewards. We were managers of that house for the week. So guess what? We took care of it. In the same way, all we have is God's. And he provides those things to us in his kindness and his grace and tells us to manage it well, to steward it well, and to manage it with wisdom. So how do we do that? How do we manage? How do we steward what God has given to us on a very practical level, day after day? Well, Proverbs, if you read through Proverbs, the 31 chapters of Proverbs, you'll actually discover five different principles of managing our money. And we're going to look at each one of those. And remember, these are not Jeremy's financial wisdom. All right. This is what God said through King Solomon, because believe me, Janet and I have made plenty of financial mistakes along the way. Plenty. We have failed to plan. We've gotten into consumer debt. We've made horrible purchases and paid the price later on. But we've been learning along the way to trust in God's plan and his wisdom. So if you're taking notes, if you have your programs with you, the first fill in for today is this. Financial principle number one, keep track. Keep track. A question we all probably ask ourselves is this. Where in the world did it all go? I see zero benefits. Remember that $20 bill that you cashed on Friday and you have $1.68 left? And you're like, all I did was buy a drink and a pack of gum and I have a dollar left. Where did it all go? You have no idea where the rest went. This is a very common problem for all of us. But you can prevent this kind of financial amnesia if we keep track, if we keep a record of what we buy. Proverbs 27 says this, know the state of your flocks. And put your heart into caring for your herds, for riches don't last forever, and the crown might not be passed to the next generation. Know the state of your flocks. What's he saying here? Know what's going on in your life financially. Know where you are, know how much you have, and know how much you're spending. This should sound simple, right? Keeping track of our finances doesn't require a lot of work. It just requires consistency, taking steps and discipline and consistency. And some of us make it much more complicated and much more difficult than it has to be. Some of us get way too legalistic about it and we take it too far. We don't need two separate categories in our grocery list for 80-20 ground beef and 70-30 ground beef. Just write ground beef, all right? We just make it way too complicated. It's impossible to keep that kind of level of intensity anyway for too long. Keep track with how much you're spending, and this will enable us to keep an eye on where our money is going to help us spot some of those problem areas, some of the things that we actually really don't need. Keeping track makes it possible for us to manage our money from a position of strength 
because there will be fewer surprises along the way, and then we'll be able to see what's coming up, what's lying ahead, some of those, uh, some of those pitfalls, some of those traps that may be coming up, and we can see those. Solomon said this in Proverbs 13, wise people think before they act. Fools don't, and even brag about their foolishness. So, Know where you stand financially. Know where your starting point is. Know where your beginning point is. Know how much you have. Know how much you spend. So number one is to keep track. Principle number two is this. Plan ahead. Plan ahead. Based on what you earn and how much you have, decide where you want your money to go. And and then develop a, a kind of a spending plan to make it happen that way. Because when you do this, you're actually spending your money twice. You're kind of spending it once on paper and then once in reality. And some people call this a budget, right? Now, I hesitate to use that word because it can cause triggers in some people. It's just a kind of a matter matter of uh, semantics. But when you hear the word budget, to some people that means limits. It means hardships. It means doing without. So whatever you want to call it, however you want to title it, decide what you want to do with your money and begin making plans for it in that manner. Because some of those, some of those goal-oriented things that we have for later in life may include retirement, college tuition for our, our kids, maybe a house, a car, you know, car maintenance, dental expenses, Christmas and birthdays. And notice that none of those things that I just mentioned, none of those are real emergencies. We know they're coming. And we often treat those things as emergencies in the moment because we didn't plan ahead. We wait until December 10th and suddenly say, yikes, I've got two weeks before Christmas. Where am I going to get the money to buy all these Christmas presents? And then we think that the only way to do that, the best way to have a good Christmas is to go deeper in debt. And sadly enough, just as many people worked their whole entire lives and suddenly at the age of 64, they decide, oh man, I'm retiring next year and I have nothing. I'm retiring next year and I don't know how I'm going to live. So develop a plan for how you want to spend your money. Solomon said this in Proverbs 21, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Good planning. Hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So God wants us to make plans for our future. This is something that should be done thoughtfully and carefully and prayerfully. In the process, you should seek out wise counsel from others. There's so many amazing resources out there to help you understand God's plan. That's why New Life has partnered with Thrivent. And we have our own Larry Brundage who's, who, who uh, attends here at New Life Patterson. We believe in Thrivent because they are a faith-based organization. They care about the financial health of believers and they stem their biblical principles around uh, money. uh, uh, All all of their principles are around biblical principles, around finances and money and and planning for the future. What I love about, one one of the taglines I love about Thrivent is that they say that, that they help us create breathing room so that we can live in freedom in our finances. And some of you might be thinking, Jeremy, Sign me up because I have zero peace in my finances. I know that Larry, he shared with me story after story. He can share with you story after story about how Thrivent has helped them become free of debt, that found peace and freedom in the area that leads us to so much fear and anxiety and struggle. So go connect with him. Go connect with Thrivent. Keep track. 
Number two, plan ahead. Number three is save consistently. Save consistently. Now, just like spending a few bucks here and there on a Coke or a coffee can add up to thousands of dollars over the course of a decade, saving even a small amount on a regular basis can add up. Just a small amount on a regular basis can accumulate into a significant amount of money. Proverbs 13 says this, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. That's a great verse. Whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Did you know that at the age of 18, all you young people, listen to me. If you start at the age of 18 years old by putting just $100 a month away, just $100 at the age of 18, you can retire a millionaire. No one told me that when I was 18. I don't think I, don't think I learned that until I was in my 40s. But listen, you young people, just $100 a month Starting at age 18, you could retire a millionaire. Begin the habit of putting aside some money each month. Here's a great formula, okay? If you don't leave with anything else, leave here with this formula. Pay God first, then pay yourself second, which is your savings, and then live on the rest. Pay God first, yourself second, and then live on the rest. And to make it even easier, just automate it. Have just automatic transfer. Go all the way from your paycheck straight into your savings. Don't even think about it. Don't even remember it. And before you know it, it's going to accumulate over time. Even if it seems to be this ridiculously small amount, it will grow over time. And what's more, saving consistently teaches you discipline. And if you could develop discipline in the area of savings, it will help you develop discipline in the area of spending. Actually, when you develop discipline in one area, that discipline will seep and bleed over into other areas, your spiritual life, your physical life, your emotional life. Proverbs 21, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. He's saying that a wise man puts away some for the future. You think, man, Jeremy, I... I actually wish I could save something, Jeremy, but I can't. I can't afford it. I have zero left over. I have all these bills to pay. I've got obligations to meet. I have, I have expenses to take care of. And yes, we do have to pay for our, we do have to pay our bills. We do have to take care of our families. We do have a responsibility to take care of the present, but we also have a responsibility to, to take care of our future. Even if it's just a small amount, if you do it consistently, it will accumulate. So number one, keep track. Number two, plan ahead. Number three, save consistently. And number four, eliminate debt. Eliminate debt. It is no coincidence, I don't believe, that there are four letters in the word debt. Because if you ever have been debt or you are in debt, you know by experience that debt is a four-letter word. And you want to throw some other four-letter words beside it. When you talk about it, right? I can say without any doubt that debt causes some of the most severe anxiety in our country. It is absolutely miserable. Now, I'm not talking about just, you know, having a mortgage on a house or things like that. I'm talking about what's called consumer debt or credit card debt. Most of the time, this is for anything that depreciates in value. This kind of debt could be something that's not secured by anything that we physically possess. And when we get into it, man, we feel it. It affects us physically, sometimes for the rest of our lives. 
According to Forbes, the first quarter of 2023, okay, this isn't just historical, the first quarter of this year, Americans had $986 billion in credit card debt. $986 billion, the first quarter of this year with the average consumer having over $6,000 personally. And you may be sitting here saying, I wish I only had $6,000 in credit card debt. Let me just tell you that Janet and I have been there too. It is miserable. It's super stressful. You might be living with something far more stressful. Have you ever seen those credit card commercials that show people using their credit card uh, to kind of fulfill their dreams? I haven't actually seen them in a long time. I don't know if they, come in, they came under a lot of scrutiny, but I haven't seen them. But they go something like this. An air, a airfare for two to Paris, $2,200. Rental for your private chalet, $1,250. An evening meal for two at a sidewalk cafe, $200. Sharing it with someone you love, priceless. Yeah. Here's what I wish they would kind of add to the tag. The stress of paying this trip off will put you in the hospital. <laughs> That's what I wish they would add to those commercials. <laughs> Do you know what the average credit card interest rate was just this past week? Just this past week, 24.69%. I'm not saying don't go to Paris. Speak French and go to Paris. But if we can't afford to travel without going into debt, a staycation is much less stressful. <laughs> I've done those plenty of times. And you may, you may be saying, well, Jeremy, with my card, I only pay 3.9% interest. And when that goes up, I just switch. You're not getting rid of debt. You're not eliminating debt. You're just playing the game. You're just moving it around. It's still haunting you. It's not going away. Look what Solomon said in Proverbs 6. My child, if you put up security for a friend's debt or agree to guarantee the debt of a stranger, if you have trapped yourself by your agreement and are caught by what you said, follow my advice and save yourself for you have placed yourself at your friend's mercy. Now swallow your pride, go and beg to have your name erased. Don't put it off, do it now. Don't rest until you do. Save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. So Solomon's talking about co-signing the note for someone and he's very specific. He says, don't do it. And his words can be really applied to any debt at all because when you owe someone money, they have kind of a subtle amount of power and control over you. And you become in many ways their prisoner, their servant. If you owe tons of money and consumer debt, you are no longer free to do what you want to do. If you're no longer actually working for yourself, you're working for someone else. That's why the apostle Paul said this in Romans 13, owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. Some of you have student loans. Me too. Because I decided to go back to school when I was old, <laughs> when I couldn't afford it. And so I, I'm still trying to pay back some of my student loans. Some of you have so much other debt that it might seem impossible that you're ever gonna be free. Let me just tell you, if you have a plan stay encouraged. You can be free. You one day will be free if you stick at it consistently. If you're facing serious debt this morning and you've felt hopeless, like you're just going to give up, 
please go see my buddy Larry at the end of service. He'll be in the lobby. He's got a little thriving thing set up there about getting you started with Money Canvas. There's a little program called Money Canvas. It's free, but he can begin your journey in helping you find hope, helping you find a plan, helping you find a plan to move forward. So number one, keep track. Number two, plan ahead. Number three, save consistently. Number four, eliminate debt. And number five, give regularly. Give regularly. Remember, these are the five principles of wealth and finances from God through King Solomon, not Pastor Jeremy. When it comes to giving, we have this tendency to give only when it's easy to give. When things get tight, what we give to God is oftentimes the very first thing that we cut. Because if we don't make our mortgage, they're coming to get our house. If we don't make our car payment, they're going to come and get our car. If you bought anything, if you bought anything else on the loan and you don't pay it, they're coming to get it. But when it comes to giving to God, they're not really going to come and get anything. So that's the first thing I'm going to cut when things get tight. And then in the moment, it seems to make sense. But in my personal experience, and as my, in, in, and also my experience as a pastor, it oftentimes can backfire. When we do that, it causes two things. When we withhold from God, it has the potential of causing two things in our life. One, it shows a lack of gratitude for all that God has given us and is continuing to give us. And number two, it shows a lack of trust in God's ability to see us through that financial pinch that we're in or that rough patch that we're going through. Whether things are easy in your life right now, financially, whether things are difficult, make it a habit to give to God first before you spend your money on anything else. Look what Solomon says about this in Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce, with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Let's go back for a second. In the same way that practicing discipline in the area of saving helps you practice in the area of spending, being consistent in your giving will help you become consistent in other areas of your life as well. The Bible talks about giving to God in the context of what some of us, if you grew up in church, you've heard it called the tithe. Malachi chapter three says this, bring all the tithes to the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. This is the only place in Scripture where God tells humanity to test him is in this area. Now, a tithe literally means, if you break it down in definition, it means a tenth. So let's talk about giving the way the Bible talks about it. And listen, you can walk out of here today. You don't have to believe me. You don't have to accept what I'm saying. But I want you to know what the Bible teaches us about this subject and what you do it is between what you do with it is between you and God. But here's what the Bible says about this. The tenth, the tithe is a tenth of your income. Now I've heard people say before, Jeremy, I give a 3% tithe. Okay, that must be some of that new common core math that I don't know how to do. Okay, I'm not no not no bashing the math teachers out there, but I, I don't understand that. But but 3% tenth does not exist. That's not real. 
Our tithe belongs to the Lord. Remember, it's not even our money. It all belongs to his. It's all his. We are only managers of it. We are only stewards of what he has given us. Like we said earlier, I'm a manager of my home. I'm a manager of my house. I'm a manager of my wife and my children and my job and my friendships and the income that he has provided to me. I have to ask myself, am I managing it well? Am I stewarding it well? Am I being obedient with what God has given me. And Janet and I, we have, we have lived in this life of giving and tithing to God since we've been married. And trust me, there's been challenging, challenging seasons. When Janet was a stay-at-home mom and I, was, I had a job out there just making peanuts, it was very challenging for us. And there were seasons, I'll be honest with you, there have been seasons in our 30 years where we've pulled back on the amount we give to God. Not totally just said, we're not giving to the church anymore. We're not giving to God anymore. We're not, we're not surrendering uh, a portion of our, uh, of our giving. To, we've never just completely held back, but we have pulled back from those amounts in the past because we wanted to pay off a debt or maybe there was an emergency. And can I be honest with you? Every time that we've done that, we never really gained any traction because we were hit somewhere else financially. Did God cause that to happen? No. It's called life. Sometimes it just stinks when those things happen all at the same time. But when we've chosen to put God first, we are a living testimony of seeing God's provision in our life. We are a living testimony of God's goodness in ways that we never could have imagined. 19 years ago, we would have never imagined living in California, pastor in a church. Never. Janet was, I'll be honest, I was, I was, uh, I was, in, I was uh, delivering uh, food for a vendor, for a vending company out of Nashville. Janet was delivering papers for the local newspaper company. Every day she would leave and get, a, get bundles of papers in her, in her seat. And that girl, she could drive a stick shift, roll papers, and throw them at the same time without wrecking. I don't know how she did it. It scared everybody to death. But she did it for years if you would have told us then when she's delivering papers and I'm filling up vending machines, hey, in 19 years from now, both of you are going to have your degrees. You're going to be pastoring in California. We would have laughed our heads off. But look what the Lord has done. God has been faithful. God, God's goodness has followed us all the days of our lives and we praise him for it. Managing and stewarding our finances begins with trusting God with our finances. If you give to him, he will take care of you. He will do it. He will do it. If you currently aren't giving, if you currently aren't in the, the, the discipline of tithing or giving, but you want to take control of your, of your finances, then I encourage you to take a step. You're just like, Jeremy, where do I begin? Just start somewhere. I'm not going to tell you where to start. I'm just going to tell you, start somewhere. You, know, you may not be able to give as much as others. I know I can't. But whatever you give to God will be honored and you will be blessed by him. Look what the apostle Paul says again in 2 Corinthians. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it, how? Eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. So we've heard from King Solomon. We heard God speak through King Solomon. We heard God speak through the apostle Paul. But you know, did you know that Jesus taught something about money too? Jesus said something about this issue too. In fact, Jesus just straight up called it out. 
Solomon gave a lot of, if you do this, this will happen. The apostle Paul said, hey, you remember this? Jesus just straight up calls it out. And I love it. He said that our attitude towards money says a lot about our attitude towards God. I don't know how much more plainer (laughs) Jesus could have made it. Your attitude toward money says a lot about your attitude toward God. Look what he says in Luke chapter 16. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you will not be uh, honest with greater responsibilities. And then he goes on. If you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? If you can't be responsible, Jesus is saying, if you can't be responsible with what I've given you to manage on this life, I can't trust you to manage the things that I give you in the next one. Managing our money is not an option. It's something that we all have to do because again, if we don't manage our money, our money will manage us. And that is not the kind of prison that God has intended for us. And this one life that we get on earth, he does not want to see us just grieved and oppressed and just anxious about money that we know we can't take with us. I've never seen a U-Haul following a hearse. In all the funerals that I've done over my 18 years, never. Because we can't take it with us. Proverbs instructs us to keep track, to plan ahead, to save consistently, to eliminate debt, and to give regularly. It comes down to this. Managing our finances involves trusting God with our finances. When God is the Lord of all we have, we can save, we can plan, we can give with assurance and confidence because we know that we're doing it not on our own, but with God right beside us. And we know that we can do it God's way with his blessing and with his wisdom. So I want to close with, um, with an analogy here. I made sure that I told... Uh, I told Bobby, I said, do not eat these donuts. Our drummer. <laughs> so here, this is the best example that I know that I could give. Uh, this is the best example that I know to, to kind of all get us on the same page of what it means to tithe, what it means to give back. And, and listen, you may be at a point right now where you say, Jeremy, literally every dollar has a name. Every dollar has a name for me because I have zero flexibility. I have zero freedom in my finances, okay? So even if you can't tithe, what I'm saying is what can you give, okay? Remember, these are not Jeremy's principles. I don't want anyone to please leave. and and I don't want anyone to leave and say it was just another message on money. That's not what this is. It's about how, what does God say about us controlling our finances, okay? I want everyone to remember that. This is the best example I knew to give. Here are 10 donuts. And everybody's saying, Jeremy, you know it's lunchtime, right? You're killing me here. 10 donuts. So imagine if you truly believe that everything belongs to God. If you truly believe that for every two weeks, I get paid and it says New Life Christian Center on it. But I know that this is, I'm actually being given this by God. I honestly believe that it belongs to him. So imagine God come up to you and saying, here you go. You worked hard. This is your payment. You're like, sold, 
Thank you, God. I'll take that. Here's what God is saying. Before you enjoy this, can I have the top one? You keep the other nine, but can I have this one? And for us, I know for me, I'd be like, that's a great deal. You take one and I keep nine. That's a pretty good deal, Lord. And then here's the promise once we say, yes, you can have that one, I'll keep the other nine. Here's the promise that God gives us. If you give me that top one, I promise the other nine will meet all your needs. Your food, your groceries, your mortgage, your car payment, your kids' braces or whatever you've got. I promise the other nine will stretch to take care of your month. But if you don't give me the top one, my promise doesn't apply to you. Here's what most of us do. Okay, God, that makes me really nervous to give you the top one. Let me pay everything first, and then I'll give you what's left. I've got my mortgage, and I've got my car, and my kids need braces, and I need groceries. I've got my utilities, and all this. Oh, yeah, and my cousin's, my, my cousin's niece's brother's got, got a birthday coming up. And we got all these, these bills coming up. And then, oh, oh yeah, it's been 182 degrees outside. So my electric bill is $200 more and all this. And then before we know it, nothing. And we look and we say, well, I mean, here's some icing. Here's a couple of crumbs, Lord. You can have that. And what happens is when we don't give God first, we have the potential of running out quicker. I know the math doesn't equal up. I don't understand God's math. I don't understand God's math to say, if you give me what belongs to me first. Now, remember, we said last week, God doesn't need your money. God doesn't want your money. God's not after your money. God is after your heart. And our money is connected to our heart. So if we give God our heart, the rest is easier to give. So this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. You know, I like ending all my, my messages with a challenge. I want to challenge you today. If you've never started the discipline of giving or tithing, I want to challenge you to begin that today. And it's not so that we can just see our finances. This is for, I care about you. I want you to be blessed. I want you, I want God to have your heart. God's going to take care of new life. I'm not worried about that. But I want all of us to live in this space of freedom and joy and not be bound and tormented and oppressed by our money. And God said, if you give me mine first, I promise you, I'll stretch the rest out for your needs. Can you accept that challenge today? Will you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for teaching us your principles of finances. Lord, these aren't my principles. These are the principles that you have given through King Solomon, through the Apostle Paul, and through you yourself, Jesus, when you said that the way our attitude towards money is also going to be our attitude towards you. And so, Father, I just pray, God, that no one will leave here this morning and thinking that it's just another pastor trying to get money. Lord, you know my heart. That is not what I expressed here today, Lord. I want people to learn to live in the freedom that you have given us by not being so bound and, 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 and handcuffed to our accounts, 
but instead operate in freedom by surrendering to you what honestly belongs to you, Lord. Because, Lord, in 6,000 years, you've never increased the inflation. You've always said just 10%. Just give me what belongs to me. And, Father, we get to keep the other 90%, Lord. And in that 90%, we, Lord, we can rest. We can have peace. We can have joy. We can and, and know that you are providing for us, that you are still caring for us, and you're meeting all of our needs, Lord. Like that prayer, like, like the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father who lives in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done in me and on earth as it is in heaven. Provide for me today all my daily needs. And forgive me of my sin as I forgive those who sin against me. Father, if we keep the kingdom of God first, all the rest will be added to us. So Father, you know that this is not a prosperity message, Lord, that you're just gonna give us millions of dollars, Lord. That is not what you are about. Father, we know that you are in the saving business, not the punishing business, not the, not the financial business, Lord, but you're in the saving business of saving us from ourselves. And so Father, this morning we make a commitment to give to you what ultimately belongs to you. And we do it cheerfully, we do it eagerly, because we know that you are going to provide for our families, for us. So, Father, we bless you for that. Father, as we dismiss, Lord, we pray you'll go with us, Lord. Keep us safe, protect us. Lord, bring us back next week, ready to enter into your presence and to give you praise one more weekend. We thank you, Lord, for all of those who have signed up for baptism. We thank you for all those who have said, I want to take that next step in my journey with Jesus. And they are going to get baptized next weekend. We are anticipating an amazing day of celebrating those who want to take that next step and be a water baptized. Thank you, Lord, for their boldness and for their courage to stand up and say, me, I want to be part of that team. So thank you, Lord. We love you. Lord, we are surrendered to you. We trust you, Lord, with our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here this morning. Before, before, you, before you leave, just want a, a reminder, remind you of all the, uh, the announcements we made earlier. If you want to make uh, a special offering for the people of Hawaii, that's going to go in the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the container there beside the, the box. And if you came prepared to give, you can just drop that in the box as you walk out. If this is your first time here, please don't leave without getting the mug that we have for you. And also the women's Bible study start Tuesday morning and evening. Go see Lisa for more information. You can find it on our app. You can find it on our website. And also, if you want to get a good head start on your finances, go see Larry for Thrive It. He's out in the lobby right now. Hey, we love you guys. Have an amazing week. We will see you back here next Sunday for Baptism Sunday. If you still want to get baptized, Come over and have a seat over there for the baptism class, okay? We'll see you later.